How do you know if you really love somebody? That could be somebody that you've met recently, it could be somebody you've known for a little while, or maybe somebody you've been in a relationship for a long time and you start to question, do I still love this person? Today, we're going to be exploring how you know if you do love somebody. If you'd like to find out more about how you can improve your relationship or find a fulfilling relationship, head over to therelationshipmaze.com where we have lots of free resources to help you discover how you can create better relationships. And you can also take our course, The Relationship Maze, or discover your conflict style and relationships with our free online conflict style quiz. And press subscribe right now. Welcome to today's episode of The Relationship Maze, and today we're talking about the question, how do I know if I really love this person? I think it's quite similar to a title of an old song. Is it? I can't think yeah. of the song. I can't remember the song <laughs> title exactly. but Certainly it, can't sing it. Yeah, but I think this is one of the things, or how do you know if somebody, well, I think it's more, how do you know if somebody else loves you? Mm. But often the question is, you know, do you know if you really love them? Because I think often we, at the, certainly at the beginning of relationships, you know, for some people, they seem to fall in love almost instantly. Like barely have they even said five words and they think, I'm in love with this person. Mm. Whereas other people, they've been going out with somebody or having a relationship with somebody for six months, a year, and they don't know if they love them. They're still kind of unclear. Do I love this person? And then there's the other situations where, you know, I've, I've worked with people or know people who have been in relationships for years and years. And, you know, suddenly, like after 30 years, they suddenly think, well, I'm not sure I love this person. Mm -hmm. So it can be quite you know, really important in relationships to get a sense of what, what does love really mean? Well, yeah, exactly. And I think we, we could have a long discussion uh, to begin with about what, how we define love. Because for me, there's a distinction, for example, between being in love or, uh, or falling or the falling in love bit in particular, the kind of heady, uh, passionate, slightly mad um, first month or first year or however long uh, of a relationship where you are completely boiled over by someone and kind of almost lose your senses over another person, which I think is quite different from a more mature uh, experience of love further down the line, a few years down the line. So so there's a, for me there's a sort of distinction between what's, you know, falling in love and being in love um, or loving. Um, I don't quite know how to define it, but I think sometimes that might be a little bit confusing for some people so that they think, oh, if I don't have this kind of super passionate, um, these super, super passionate feelings for my partner anymore, that, that must mean I don't love them. But what do we mean by love? What does it mean to you? Well, I think just to echo what you said, I think, you know, there is that confusion. I think I've, I've, I've seen this with quite a lot of people where they're looking for that chemistry that was there in the honeymoon period so mm. you know you meet somebody mm. and like sometimes there's a very quick connection sometimes that builds up over time uh you know for many people I, i've seen you know worked with people and spoken to a lot of people who uh when they're dating they're looking for that chemistry that instant mm. chemistry and mm -hmm. if it's not there 
mm. kind of, you know, give up on even trying to kind of see if there could be something, which mm. I think itself can be quite problematic mm. because what's that based on? So, I mean, I think that initial attraction is often based on past experiences. So, you know, how do we know what we're attracted to? Mm. Well, you know, physically these things may be connected to things, experiences from the past or things that's for some, whatever reason we've built attraction to. And sometimes that can actually be unhealthy. It might be that we've, you know, we're basing this on some early template of a relationship where we were really, you know, had a passionate relationship with somebody, but it didn't work out. And mm -hmm. we could be, you know, basically finding we get attracted to people with, <coughs> excuse me, we could be getting attracted to people with similar sort of characteristics, whatever it might be. Mm. And we always end up finding that um, the relationship doesn't work out and we get quite hurt. Mm. So I think, you know, in terms of that attraction stage itself, that instant chemistry, first of all, is not love. You know, that's attraction. Mm -hmm. And those early stages of a relationship, well, you may have that sense of falling in love, but like you said, it's that it's that sort of um, passionate, romantic sort of um, well, sort of passionate sort of rose-coloured glasses lenses where we're you know the brain's releasing oxytocin. We've got all these different chemicals going around that you know mm. essentially are getting us to bond with that person. Mm. Where in those early days, we don't really see the person as they are. We're seeing them as our brain addled with all these chemicals is telling us, you know, this person's great. Mm. We kind of think everything about this person's amazing. And it's an important stage, I think, to some extent. It can be a very important stage in the relationship because it creates that bond. It creates this desire to be with the other person, to want to spend all your time with this person, to be really interested in this other person. So I think it's very it's a crucial part of um the, the stages of a relationship to some extent. But I think um, love as such is a process. From my perspective, it's not something that happens overnight. You don't love someone overnight. You discover more and more about this other person. You um, get more of a sense of who they are. And you start to attach to the other person. That's the kind of... Uh, your attachment system gets activated... Um, you develop um, dependency needs also for the other person. Um, so so love in and of itself is, well, it's a mixture of uh, a biological system that's kicking into action, really, you know, in terms of the attachment system. It's a mixture of um, psychological processes that happen. It's a mixture and it's sociological to some extent because we're also influenced about what other people tell us about love. And it's an emotional experience, love, isn't it? All of these, there's sort of various strengths and elements that interweave and that develop over a period of time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, in terms of the biological element, I don't think that really is love as such. That's more I'm talking about the sensations in the yeah. body. Yeah, no, but what yeah. I mean is in evolutionary terms, it's, mm. it's because we have language mm. that we have formulations of that experience of love. But we can see different types of love in, in relationships. Like if you have children, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people talk about that unconditional love for your children, which mm. a lot of people do have. Mm -hmm. Some people don't, but mm -hmm. most people I would say do have. But that mm -hmm. sense you would do anything for them or mm -hmm. your children could do anything and you still love them, mm -hmm. which I know that isn't always the case. But on the whole, I think that tends to be more the case. Mm -hmm. But whereas with a partner, that 
is probably less likely to be the case. And I think a lot of people go into relationships looking for unconditional love. Mm. You know, this is what um, I've heard a lot of people talk about. Agreed, yeah. But that sense of unconditional love is not going to be the same as you had from your parents if they showed that to you because they may not have. Or you may want that because your parents didn't show it to you. But the thing is, we're going to a relationship with somebody else who has a completely different background, who we haven't got that connection in terms of, you know, that, that sort of blood connection, mm-hmm. um, which where that, that kind of unconditional positive, but that unconditional love seems to kind of spring from or kind mm-hmm. of develop from as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but so if we're looking for unconditional love, you know, essentially, you know, we still have to know that we have to help meet the needs of our partner because you know unconditional love doesn't mean you can do anything and your partner should love you it doesn't mean you can get angry you can kind of you know constantly berate them it doesn't mean you can go out and see other people if unless that's the relationship that you'll want that you've agreed with your partner it doesn't mean that you can uh, kind of you know, you know just totally live your own life and expect that your partner's still going to love you it means you know you certain things have to be agreed between you yeah, I think uh, I think you're raising a really important point here, which is particularly this uh, idea about unconditional love. I think in adult relationships, uh, they're they're never unconditional; they're always conditional. But there's a desire or a dream for this unconditional love. There is a desire to be in the Garden of Eden forever with this person who seems to offer all these possibilities, these endless, infinite possibilities of loving me. Um, you know, when I'm in the heady early stages of the relationship. So I think a lot of the time um, the love is based on expectations, on projections, on desires, on wishes. And uh, when we realize uh, sometime further down the line that actually our partner is not capable or not able or doesn't want to offer us everything that we hoped they would offer us, that's often when the disappointment set in, sets in. And that's often when there's the sense of, well, I don't love this person because they're not loving me in the way that I want them to love me. So that's where often the, the first rupture happens and the realization this isn't unconditional. Actually, this is not also easy uh, in many, many ways. Um, there might be some struggles ahead here. That's very often when there are the first fractures start in relationships, and that's often when uh, partners might think, I'm not so sure that I actually love the other person because they're not quite who I thought they might be. Yes, and part of that, I think, you know, first signs of that happen when that when those rose-coloured lenses start to kind of wear off. Mm-hmm. Because like we talked about, the oxytocin, the other kind of chemicals and hormones that flood your system, that create that bonding with the other person, mm-hmm. we tend to only see those good points. Mm-hmm. You know, those things, certain things, it starts out as kind of little quirks and you think, oh, that's cute. Like, so they kind of, they kind of squeeze the toothpaste from the middle of a tube, kind of cute you know a few months down the line or maybe a year depending how long that lasts it's big those things turn into mild irritations which over time become more and more annoying and can lead to real problems in relationships because we start to see that person as they are not who we 
wanted to see them as. So, you know, those early days, we do project onto that person that this person is is amazing, magnificent, whatever it happens to be. But it is going to be a point where we start to see this person as a person. Mm-hmm. I think the thing with that is at that point, we can either start to kind of get to know them for who they are more fully mm-hmm. and learn to kind of love them for who they are. Or we can start to see, well, actually, this person has almost fooled me. They're not who I thought they were and kind of almost blame the other person and then kind of end that relationship. And also, I think the problem with the end of that honeymoon period is because there tends to be more passion, more kind of, you know, more physical connection, um, greater attraction, maybe, you know, sometimes for many people, there's that sense, well, maybe I'm not desirable anymore. And there's that sense that, they feel more unlovable too. So I think there's there's also that awareness that, you know, because that passion side might be kind of going down a little bit, it can trigger off the sort of negative self-image for the individuals thinking, you know, maybe actually, maybe I'm not desirable anymore. Mm, and maybe point. this person doesn't desire me. If I'm not desirable, then maybe I shouldn't be with this person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. It kind of touches on this whole point of uh, differentiation, this idea that you can um, separate yourself out from your partner, that you have a sense of um, togetherness as well as separateness. And I think what often happens, of course, further down the the, the, the road in relationships is more awareness around the separateness because, you know, the realization that your partner is another individual who thinks and feels differently from you. So part of the of love, I think, is also to survive this, to notice, you know, to survive the challenge that comes with the realization that you have somebody who's different uh, in front of you. Uh, and not only to learn to tolerate that, but also to see this as an opportunity and an advantage in a way. So part of the Loving is uh, also, I think loving to some extent is also uh, a conscious decision to stay with this difficulty, this challenge, to work with that, um, to find a way through the challenges that you face with your partner and to see see it as a maturation process, as something that is always in process and not, not ever quite there. The challenges will always be there. Um, But I think you get to a point um, in your relationship where this settles a little bit more, where there can be, you know, where you have um, made that conscious decision to be loving and to work through some of these difficulties and to find more peace, maybe, and more harmony in your relationship um, further down the line. Yes, exactly. I think in in that way, like you said, it's about realising this person is different. Mm -hmm. But also, ultimately, like you said, it's different separation, but also togetherness that uh, in some ways this person is also the same too in terms of uh, Mm -hmm. we both, you know, this is another human being with the capacity for the same emotions who experiences similar emotions. They may be triggered by different things. They have a completely different set of life experiences, but there are certain things that bring you together, like certain values, certain things that are important, like loving, being loved. So essentially, uh, and Jung would talk about archetypes, that Mm -hmm. we share these universal archetypes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important too. We do share these common elements. We share these uh, common sorts of themes within us that allow us to see that, you know, we are in some ways the same, but also in many ways different. So it's like, you know, there, there is this commonality, but also differentiation. 
Mm-hmm. So it's not a word completely different, but mm-hmm. it's about, and I think that's what's exciting is learning that we're not the same, that there are differences and learning to uh, kind of just have that curiosity and sense of love for how this person is different. Because mm-hmm. I think if you had a carbon copy of yourself in a room, at some point, you'd probably get a bit bored of them. Of course. Imagine having a clone as a partner. Yeah. How boring would that be? <laughs> probably would be, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, maybe for a while it would be okay, but then mm-hmm. it would be like, well, yeah, all your own irritating habits get really mm-hmm. reflected back at you. Yeah, or somebody just says yes to you all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think for me it's... Um, there's an element of choice here, an active choice that you're always ultimately actively choosing to be with your partner. Love is a choice. You choose to continue loving your partner. And that's not to say that there might not be situations where it might, not, it might actually be wise not to continue to choose this partner if, they are, if they're putting you down, if there is emotional control or coercion, if it is an abusive relationship in any shape or form, then... Absolutely, I would say, you know, don't, don't, you know, it might not be, it probably isn't in your best interest to, to engage and stay and actively choose to stay in this relationship because it could do some serious harm. You could be harmed in this situation. But if, uh, aside from that, if the question is, um, do I, do I still love this person? Then, you know, ask yourself, well, do I still want to love this person? Do I still want to um, explore this uh, relationship further? Is there still something here that is rewarding for me and for the other person? Is there still scope here to develop the relationship um, further, to get what I want, to get for the, for my, to give my partner what he or she wants? So it's kind of like, what, what is the room here? And I think that's a really important point that you raise because it's not just about you... I mean, well, it can be, but I think in terms of like what you want, is this relationship giving me what I want? But also thinking, well, what do I do for the other person? What do I, what do I do to help this other person Mm. feel loved too? Do I give as well as receive? And I think that energy, Mm -hmm. which varies with everybody, is a sense of how much do you feel able to receive love compared to how much you're able to give love? Mm -hmm. And with some people, there's very much a sense of needing to do things for other people. We've talked about in previous podcasts about the please others driver. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of needing to kind of feel you have to do everything for the other person. But the problem with this is this is something we learn maybe from childhood. Maybe we've had to always save our parents from arguing or whatever it happens to be. And there's that sense we always have to be the person that that does the things. I have to look after everybody. Mm -hmm. But there's always that sense that because you're doing things for other people... You don't give the other person the opportunity to give to you as well, which also people, it's important. We need to be able to kind of receive and to give, so that energy. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people may feel that they need to be loving, but then they don't feel loved as a result back. And sometimes we actually block that ourselves Mm -hmm. because of that sense that I need to be the one to love. Mm -hmm. We also need to be open to receiving love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think... um... I think this is also um, always uh, under review, so to speak. So it might be quite helpful to, if you do ask yourself this question, do I still love my partner? Also to have a, a good idea about what, is it, what it is that you're actually looking for. Because I think a lot of the time when I explore this with clients, um, they don't 
they don't really know in great detail what it is that they're looking for. They know they want to be in a loving relationship, but what that actually looks like, what that feels like, lots of people don't really know. So I think it's also important to to clarify this for yourself. What is it, you know, that I want to create here? What kind of relationship do I want to create? What kind of person do I want to be in this relationship? What kind of person do I want my partner to be in the relationship? What is it that tells me that I am in a good relationship? How do I measure that? What are my criteria? To actually really reflect on that, and particularly if you're not in a relationship but you are looking for one, it's a good opportunity to review this and to think again about what really matters to me. What does love in that context actually look like when you unpack it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think in, it's also important when you've been in a relationship for some time, like you said, if, if uh, you know, obviously if there are elements that are controlling or abusive, those are things that would obviously indicate we need to kind of maybe exit this relationship, seek mm. help or, or find, you know, mm. you know, find some way of resolve, dealing with mm. that in a healthy way. Mm. <clears throat> But I think asking yourself that question, do I really love this person? Do I still love this person? It's probably not a useful question to ask yourself regularly anyway. It is or it isn't? It Sorry. probably isn't. Uh-huh, okay. Yeah, you know, a lot of the time it, it might be, you know, I think we can ask, am I doing what I can to love the other person as well? And if both mm-hmm. of you are doing that as well, I think that's mm-hmm. an important question. Mm-hmm. What can I do to love this, or show love to the other person as well? I think that's important to question. But I think it's also, you know, if we're regularly asking, do I still love this person? Well, then it's like, it's it's, it's almost questioning something that may be there. We don't need to rock the foundations if, you know, if you're not sure what love is... Do you need to keep asking that question? But that's not the question that you need to ask yourself, I think. The question that you need to ask yourself is, you know, what what am I aiming for? What does a loving relationship look like? Are we still on track here? Is there something that slipped? Is there something that we need to pay more attention to? It's more about that, I think, rather than, you know, what is it that matters? Yeah, that's so. That's what I was getting at. It's not. Yeah. It's not just think. It's not as simple as saying. No. Do I still love this person? Do I love them? And because then we might start to question. It's more complicated than that. It's like what matters to me. What's what's working? What do we need to work on? What can we do to make this uh, relationship more loving? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And both people in a relationship need to be working on that together. Mm. And I think if one person isn't willing to, then that's problematic. But it's about finding agreement and compromise about going forward with both people looking at helping meet each other's needs mm. as well as their own needs. Yeah, yeah. So it's not about just meeting your own needs. It's important that in that relationship is that balance meeting the other person's needs too. At the same time, knowing your needs are important as well. Mm. They're kind of equally important. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's creating that. It's, it's, as I say, it's the, it's the continuous work in progress. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, sometimes it's really good to kind of just review with your partner and just think, you know, where are we? What's, what's important to us? What, what do we feel would like to get more of in this relationship? How could you feel more loved? How could you uh, feel closer with your partner? What are their needs? What can you do to help them with their needs? What are your needs? What can your partner do to help you meet your needs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that doesn't happen a lot of the time, does it? This kind of reviewing. I mean, the reviewing usually happens when there's crisis, uh, when there's a challenge, when there, 
are issues that have gone underground, that haven't been addressed. We talked previously about arguments and kind of having the same old fight again and again over the same thing. Um, when these things um, haven't been adequately addressed, that's when there's often this sense of, well, the love is gone in the relationship. You know, we don't really care for each other anymore because there's been a, a process of continuous disappointment. I yeah, think. absolutely. And disillusionment. Yeah, and I think it's really important, therefore, to think about like reviewing what is important with your partner uh, before you get to that point when things are too late. So I think that's why it's so important to think about what you both can do in a relationship to help make that relationship work before it gets to crisis point, which is why we put together our course, The Relationship Maze, to help you look at yourself, to help you understand your partner better and to learn how to communicate better. Because if you're only waiting till it's too late, it probably is too late. So, you know, do something about it as soon as you can. Um, please tune in to our next episode and we look forward to speaking with you then. Take good care until then. Bye.